1: I am Latricia, and with me today is my
0: co-host, Phyllis. Hey, Phyllis. Hello, Latricia, and hello out there, Difference Makers. Today, we are going to start off our series called Minding Your Black Business, and our special guest today is Arthur.
2: Hey, how are you doing, everybody? Hey. Glad (laughs) to be here.
0: I'm so happy to have you. And I love your introduction. Um, Arthur Milton Porter is a serial entrepreneur with over 35 years of experience helping corporations find and grow the capacity of minority women and veteran businesses. He believes in the power of relationships and the urgency to act now on our God-given purposes. He trains and speaks on entrepreneurship, leadership, and strategic relationship building. He appreciates every opportunity that God gives him to serve his purpose. How you doing, Arthur?
2: Fine, I'm doing fine. So I definitely appreciate this opportunity. Thank you all both for allowing me to be on this show.
0: We are so happy to have you. We did have the opportunity to speak with you before the recording, and I was just impressed by All your experiences, not only that, who you are and what type of vibe you give off as a caring person and a person who wants others to succeed. Mm -hmm. So, one thing I remember we spoke on was everybody needs a business. Right. So, why do you think everybody needs a business?
2: Well, because I believe that everyone should have multiple streams of income, and you have that by creating your own businesses. And often, what I find is that God has given everybody a purpose, everybody a vision. And we often suppress that as we go off to work on somebody else's vision. And so to me, the best way to get that out is to go ahead and just start a business that's in that vein. And what you'll find is that because you're so passionate about it and it is your God given purpose, you will quickly surpass probably the money you might be making on the job. So I think everybody should have multiple streams of income and multiple businesses
0: yes I was listening to a podcast recently and it was about student loans and this teacher quit her job and became a consultant and a coach educational coach and she doubled her money right. so i really agree with
2: yes i tell people all the time you will never uh, become financially stable working for somebody because you never really have control of your income and, you know we, we see with the you know the hardships from COVID or when people decide or just when they decide to downsize, you have no control over that. But if you have a job and you only think of it as one of your revenue streams and you have multiple other streams, you're not as affected should they decide to downsize you. Now you just have to replace that revenue stream. So, you know, it's just a a paradigm shift that keeps you from really depending on that job as your only source. Because, you know, I just I just, you know, a lot, of people, a lot of times people tell me I couldn't start a business. That's too risky. And I said, I would never put my hands, my life in the hands of a corporation. That's too risky mm. because at least I can control. You know, I, I will never fire myself, <laughs> Got mad at myself, but i never laid me off. I never withheld any money from me. I always seem to be able to work it out. So I prefer to keep that system.
0: All right, Latricia, I'm sure you are on the edge of your seat to ask some questions. So I'm going to pass it to you. Like you said, Phyllis, we spoke with Arthur at a different
1: time. And one of the things that I want to talk about, because we talked about, we had a different show where we talked about black businesses and we talked about buying black. Mm. And one of the things that Phyllis and I talked about was communication and We talked about professionalism. And when we were having a conversation with you, you spoke about shifting how people feel about black businesses and services being inferior. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about that along with one. I guess the primary thing you talked about was mindset. So there's the mindset of the business owner and then there's the mindset of the customers. So can you speak on that for us, please?
2: Yeah, and, and, and as a of fact, I just did a session on that last night, and one of the things that I, again, my, my, I've mentioned strategic relationships because everything is about relationships. People do business with people they know, like, and trust, and the fact that we don't do business with each other is because we don't know, like, or trust each other, and if you break it down even further, it's really sometimes because we don't know, like, or trust ourselves, and so to really get beyond that and get us to understand why we should spend money with ourselves. We first need to learn who we are. And if we begin to learn how we are and begin to like ourselves, you know, you look at some of the self-limiting, beliefs that we have that keep us from liking ourselves, it's only natural that if I don't like myself and I look at you and you look like me, I don't want to do business with you. But if I see somebody that doesn't look like me, I all of a sudden believe, oh, that's a much better option. So what I try to train people to do is first develop the relationship with themselves. And again, there are four stages of relationships, uh, being aware, knowing liking and trusting and so the first thing with awareness is just aware being aware of who you are and again i tell people all the time people really don't know who they are i ask somebody what do you do or who are you and the first thing they tell me is what they do and that's not who you are and you know i tell people all the time i am a business consultant but that's just one aspect i'm a i'm a father i'm a football coach i'm a church member i'm a you know if you just yourself something that one thing you really don't really know the true depth of who you are. So once you find out who you are, then you begin to like yourself. Then the next step is to get rid of it, which again is, is is the relationship with God, which probably is the first step because if you know who God is, it helps you know who you are and the role that you play in this whole system. But then the next thing is your, is your community, and you have to begin to realize that by not doing business with with, my, with someone who's like me, I'm actually hurting myself. I'm actually not, I'm actually. Um, Taking money that would help potentially help to build the community, and I'm I'm depriving not only the community but I'm also depriving myself, my family, my kids because I'm taking money out of the community. So I think once you know who you are, it helps you to start doing business with each other, and that's one of the things I'm, I'm teaching on, as well as also also changing the mindset that we have that if we do decide to do business with each other, then obviously you're going to give it to me for free or you're going to give it to me for half price. And, you know, I tell people that you, you will never see anybody haggling in Macy's. You'll never see anybody. But what with you, they're going to say, oh, you know, every time you hear all oh, sister, all oh, brother, you know what's coming next. It's going to be how can I get it cheaper? How can... And again, you have to realize that when you do that, you're stopping that person from being able to be in business long term. So if you really want to support black businesses, not only should you use them, but you should promote them. You should, uh, you know, just, you should want them to grow. Because you're you're most likely to to benefit from that business growing than if you build another business outside of your community.
1: Very true. Very true. We are notorious for wanting a hookup. Oh, yeah. And not only wanting a hookup, but also accusing Black businesses of being too high. Oh, their prices are too high. And I think a lot of times people don't understand when you're an independent business, you can't have the same prices that Walmart has, or Target, or Macy's, or any of these big corporations that have multiple stores across America. right? You just right. can't have the same lower prices, but is price the only thing that matters?
2: Right, and that's where you have to look at the bigger picture. And you know, again, the bigger picture, and even with some of the corporations that I work for, they some of them have come to look at the bigger picture and say, you know what? If we truly want to have minority women and veteran businesses, then we have to make sure that, you know, we we don't allow larger businesses to eliminate them by just, you know, by cutting their prices. And so we find a lot of times the corporations will find ways to uh, kind of work through some of the roadblocks with these MBWB veteran-owned firms because they have taken the stance that, hey, we want them to be around. And we have got to want our businesses to be around just as strongly.
1: And I think seeing the businesses grow, I think that's another thing. Oftentimes, we see a lot of Black businesses in neighborhoods, and they're community-based businesses, but what can we do to grow the business that is beyond the community yet doesn't leave the community? We want to still be in the community to provide those services and products for the people who helped us to get where we are, but once we start to grow, what can we do beyond the community?
2: And that is where I come in, because a lot of people are not aware of all the things that corporations purchase, and that they're that they are looking for minority, and we'll just use minority, businesses all across the country. again,'m I'm, I'm sent to markets all across the country to try to find these firms because they're not there. And you know, I tell people all the time, if I, you know if whatever you're doing, there's there's some way to to connect it with a corporate or with, with a different client base. That's based off corporations. I've worked with a lot of construction companies that may come into a town to do a big construction project. Well, you know, normally when people hear that, they think, well, I'm not in the construction industry. That doesn't affect me. But uh, everybody on that site is going to eat. So if it's a food truck that you could have, or if it's uh, if you're a caterer, if you have a restaurant, and you could, you know, because, again, it's, it's much easier to have food bought in and have guys go out to work, especially in this COVID environment, go out and come back. So I've, I've actually found uh, minority food trucks. I find minority caterers. If they're going to be signs made, let's let's get them made by a minority company. If there's going to be the cleaning of the trailers, which is not just construction, let's find a, a cleaning company company to do that. Security. So again, you you just have to look at all the businesses that that project can support. Then also you have to look at what the impact of the finished product is. So if they're building a large uh, establishment that's going to have a lot of workers, then maybe if I would if go out in the community and say, hey, you might want to open up a daycare. Or if you have a daycare, why don't you start to talk to the uh, HR department here about potentially offering discounts for the employees? If you, you know, what kind of business can support that? You know, it, in St. Louis right now, they're doing a, a science, like a science corridor, they call it a cortex, where it's going to be all these doctors and all of these, uh, you know, researchers, and they work long hours. And so we found a guy that's starting a concierge service so he can go and pick up, you know, he'll pick up the cleaning. He'll do all kinds of stuff that they normally don't have time to do when they get out. Instead of having a, a chain come in and open up a gym, we found some uh, personal trainers that are going to work open up in those areas. So, again, it's, it's identifying when a business comes into the community, what other other businesses that are smaller can 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 benefit from that. So it take. But again, it takes being intentional. And it takes having a, a client like, like the ones I have that will say, hey, while you're there, start helping the, the, the other businesses in the community so they can grow as well.
1: I love that. I love the fact that people, these corporations want the small businesses to grow because right. sometimes people ask the question. We talked about this in a different episode. Why buy black? Why are people so interested in promoting black businesses? As if they're different from non Black businesses?
2: Well, from my experience, because I'm from St. Louis. And so when the uh, Mike Brown incident happened here in Ferguson, I was, they actually put together a, a group in St. Louis called Focus that it pulls together cohorts of leaders. And I was blessed to be on that one of those cohorts. And as we reviewed how that happened, one of the things that came out is that when you're in a situation where you don't feel you have the opportunity to thrive, then you get discouraged, and you and get you, you lose hope. And so again, I often tell people it's a business decision. Mean, it's the right thing to do, but it's also a good business decision because if you are if, if you know that those type of issues can result in that type of chaos, then why wouldn't you want to be proactive and offer opportunities? You know, like I tell people all the time that you know, if a person has a job to go to, then I'd sit I'm sitting up thinking about a lot of mischief because hey, I got to go to work. But if, as long as you don't give people opportunity, I think people begin to realize it will affect the minority community. But eventually, it will spread outside of the minority community. So, as a matter of fact, I did an This is not me saying this, but I did an interview with a friend of mine. He said he mentors a lot of a lot of young black youth, and he said that that young black youth he's talking to on Friday morning is not going to be out Friday night robbing you because he's been talking. He's he's got a whole different agenda because he sees. Hope he sees the, you know a purpose, and so again, a lot of these corporations are realizing that I can put more police on the street or I can give people an opportunity to thrive, an opportunity to have you know a meaningful income and meaningful jobs by starting to supply stuff in an area. And they're also finding that the best way to increase uh, the black opportunity to thrive is not by them providing jobs, it's by helping to grow the minority companies because the minority company. Is better equipped to hire, train, and keep an African American employee. So the whole goal there is not that you know you get a job with the corporation where now you may not you know you may have other issues you may not fit in you may you know maybe but no, we want to see minority companies grow by hiring you know and often we'll say we don't just want to get a minority firm on a project we want to see what their workforce is like okay we want to make sure that they are hiring and I expect if I get a woman on firm on a project. She's going to be hiring women. If I get a veteran, he should show me the veterans he's hiring. So, likewise, a minority firm should be hiring minorities.
1: Wow, I guess Phyllis and I—we're like triple threats. We're women, black, and veterans. Oh, you're veterans.
2: I thank you all for your <laughs> service. Thank you for your service. I'm so not
1: going to hog up all the interviews. So, you me.
2: all need to have three. You, you all need to have jobs. I mean, I mean businesses. I mean, <laughs> get them certified, and will be we'll will we'll, we'll, we'll set you up.
0: I'm definitely going to work on certification for minority businesses. As Mm -hmm. you were speaking, one thing that I've struggled with personally is mindset. So, and I'm really big about strengthening your mindset Um, from an earlier conversation. I know that you are John Maxwell certified. Mm -hmm. What are some resources you could give to help people's mindset? And since you are a Christian, what book from the Bible do you think helps most with mindset? So it's two questions. One, a resource, and then two, a biblical resource. Okay.
2: Well, I'm going to do I'm gonna, because I'm an entrepreneur. I refuse to follow rules. So I'm going to go backwards. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's fine. The biblical book is Proverbs. I, if you read the, and, and I love the way to set up for 30 days. So if you do 30 days, one day, uh, one book a day, In 30 days, you'll go through Proverbs, and Proverbs basically is telling you how to treat and have relationships, and again, I'm very big on relationships, so Proverbs would be the book. A quasi-book that's not religious, but it's a business book, is uh, David Stewart, who owns Worldwide Technology, the largest African-American-owned firm in the country, is a devout Christian. Um, He's based out of St. Louis, and he has written a book called uh, Doing Business by the Good Book, 52 lessons that he learned from the Bible that he applied in his business. And that's a great business book because um, he's a, he talks straight, it's not complicated, and it's real short chapters. But he's telling how he t- took a lot of those kingdom principles and used them to build the world's largest African-American firm. Uh, as far as, as um, what I, lessons you can from my Maxwell training is Part of what I found when I go out to, to these firms and to try to grow the capacity, you have to first grow the CEO. Um, I've been in a situation where you have two businesses. they could be side by side. They could be doing the same thing. One could be struggling. The other one would be doing very well. And the one that's doing very well, the only difference is the leader. And there's a, there's a law that John Maxwell teaches. It's the law of the lid, that you will never be able to go higher than your leadership level. And so... One of the things I love about Maxwell is not only do they help you to measure what your leadership level is, but then they teach you that you can you can learn leadership. So leadership is not something a lot of times we get to be born with it. You can actually learn it. So a lot of times we we'll out- offer classes for CEOs or for the you know, young nonprofit starters or pastors, because often they have the desire, they have the passion, but they don't have the leadership skills yet. And one of the biggest mistakes we normally make is... We try to mimic a leader that may not have really been a good leader, you know. Or the other one is I've seen people say, I would never do that if I was the boss. And then they don't realize that there's a reason why you do that. And so, as a, so again, I think that once you put somebody in that position, you should be ready to equip, be ready to train them. Because they will begin to affect other people if they're not trained properly. Okay, thank you.
0: The book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs. Quasi, I forgot. Quasi it's a david
2: stewart it's a christian b- business book and mm-hmm. it's by david stewart and it's called doing business by the good book
0: doing business by the good book and
2: then john maxwell the first one is the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership 21 everybody of leadership. because here's another thing i tell ceos that when they get trained on leadership they want to then train their employees
1: mm-hmm.
2: and the same thing with a pastor once you get trained you want to train the people in your church because you i would rather be a leader that was leading other leaders than the leaders that's leading people that just follow. Mm -hmm. And so you really get, you really expand your, your, your reach and your potential when you've trained a bunch of leaders underneath you, then, because again, it takes, you can delegate, they can, you know, they're, they're free to to be creative. And so, again, I I, I try to teach people to, to train the whole company, not just the CEO.
0: Exactly. You're only as strong as your weakest link. Right. And I'm going to make sure that I put those resources in the comments. Okay. Um, my headphones are really sensitive. I'm hearing some type of tapping noise. I'm not sure what it is. Okay, that, Just, that might
2: be me. I'm sorry.
0: Okay. So you talked about multiple interests. And when you were speaking about all the way different black businesses can help a construction company,
2: mm-hmm. that, that
0: blew me away. I that were things I never thought of. I never thought of a sign maker, a caterer, mm-hmm. a childcare. So yeah. I appreciate you. And I know people listening are like, well, I can do that. I know a way yeah. I can help. Yeah. So what about those people who are multi um, passionate about different things? They're passionate about they have a lot of different talents, so they don't know where to start. How would you help somebody know where to start as an entrepreneur or what's mm-hmm. their gift?
2: Well, as a serial entrepreneur, I'll tell you that every every month I probably, in my mind, start about six businesses. And every year, probably about one comes to me actually do anything. So what I tell people is don't be afraid to try. And, you know, and, and, and that's why the, the, the beauty of if you have a job and you can do these side, I call them side gigs or side businesses, it really allows you to explore if you even like that. I, I've had people that say, you know, Oh, everybody says I can bake so well. They love my cakes. But then when you start doing that business and you realize you got to bake 30 cakes, you're like, no, I really don't want to do that. But you don't find that out until you take go out there and you start you know, seeing. The other. The other thing I've seen is people that say, oh, they love your cakes. And had a lady one time, because I normally let people come in, in my classes and display their wares. And she bought like 12 cookies and she left with 11. And she had ate the one that obviously she can't cook as well as she thought. So often you can go ahead and you can start to test these ideas by having these little small businesses. You know, if you you think you might want to do a restaurant, start off catering. Don't start off. And a lot of times that's what makes people not start because they try to do the, they think of the end, which you should, but realize you have to start. So, you know, I tell people all the time, if you want to have a a restaurant, start off catering. Start off doing, you know, meals, uh, you know, for, for small groups. And then see if that's what you really want to do. You know, if you're an accountant, start doing taxes on the side for people. You know, just find something that you want that you're passionate about, and just test it. And do and you know, if you don't, if you're family, but I don't like baking as a business. So what else could I do? I might there might be something else I'm passionate about. Find that thing, and again, just keep trying. And 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 also be be open to um, to see to, to to other options. You know, so a lot of times people. Come thinking because I'm educated as a, as an attorney, I need to do this. But no, you might be an attorney that really likes, you know, landscaping. Don't be afraid to say, although I'm highly educated, I'm gonna start a landscaping company. That's good information.
0: And I had one more question before I pass it to Latricia. Okay. My mama swear I can sing. She swear <laughs> I can. But
2: we, I will. not me and <laughs> will tell you quickly. Go ahead. <laughs> Latricia hit the mute button. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mama swears I could sing. And I like singing. But I know that's not my thing. Mm-hmm. Here's a scenario. Let's say I started doing things such as singing and I realized I'm not that good at it. What should a person how can a person keep up a positive mindset after they failed at something?
2: Okay. Well, they didn't fail, they learned something, and they pivot. And so what you what you would, for example, you may, so you may not be able to sing. Okay, we, we, we haven't found that out. But you may have such a love for music that you could find things that are around music. Um, you know, you could find, you could uh, come up with, you could do talent shows with people that can sing. You could start, you could, you know, if you knew, if you, you, you could just start to, to do things around that passion, but again, singing just wouldn't be one of them i've I've seen people that will uh you know like take like like coaching you might be able to voice coach somebody. you might be able to uh, to uh, negotiate contracts for singers, set up venues so again, you find something around that, but you have to always remember that you know that even though you don't have you you can't sing you've got a lot of relationships in that area because of your exposure. and so again, you want to tap into those relationships and just find out what else. and one of the best things to do and I tell people all the time because we often want to create a business and then try to get someone to to uh, support it. The better way to do that is to get into that area and just look around and see what is missing and ask people, what is it that you would like to have? And they might say, you know what I have? I would love if if there was a place I could take my son or my daughter that that, that can sing and have them, you know, uh, learn how to, to act or learn. how." And so, again, you might say, you know, I'm gonna put together a camp. And again, because you have, you're responding to a need as opposed to trying to create a business and make people need it, you have a much better chance of being successful. So, and even with corporations, I'll tell people that when you get to a certain level and you want to go into corporate, don't just start something. Start to meet with corporate contacts and say, what's missing? Because I'm going to tell you, in the corporate arena, there's a glut, there's too many people in catering, up to, or too many minorities in catering, cleaning, the stuff that we know. So, but there are... Gaps, and you can identify what that gap is. You often might be the only minority in that gap. One of my mentors, uh, Ron Thompson, um, out of out of Cincinnati, what else? Cleveland was Cleveland, of Ohio. But what he did was he found out that there were no African Americans uh, that fixed rail cars. Now, who would ever think that? But you talked to some people, and at the time, Boeing was taking a lot of the rail cars and using them to to make these uh, special containers. To ship uh, parts across the country. And so that's what he started. He he knew what they needed and he just went and he started it. So again, it's a whole different way of starting a business by actually finding out the need first and going back to build a business to fit that need. It's much easier to sell that than to say, hey, I create this great thing. Do you want to buy it? No, I I had no need for that. Okay. So but again, that comes from having relationships and talking to people that can tell you what are the what are the gaps. So
1: it sounds like having relationships, that sounds like it's something that is really important Very to be able to get out and cultivate those relationships. So I know a lot of times when people are starting their business, especially if they're solopreneurs, they spend so much time trying to get their business off the ground that they kinda of, they kind of begin to isolate and those relationships don't become the focus or don't stay the focus because they're focusing on building this business. So mm-hmm. I think that is a good thing to. And when you're doing that, you have
2: to be careful that you don't get so caught in working in the business. You don't have time to work on the business. And so that's why, again, if you've, you've trained people, you train leaders underneath you, you can delegate some of that because the CEO very rarely works in the business he works on the business. And that's why a lot of people don't grow because, again, and I say all the time, especially when you look at beauticians, you know, beauticians normally build such a tight relationship with their client that they become chained to the chair. And if you go in there and it's not and she's not there, you're walking out the door. But if she from the very beginning said, you know, I'm going to work on this business, I'm going to have people that maybe initially you come because of the way I do your hair, but I'm going to quickly train somebody to do it the same way I do it, get you comfortable with that person, Because now I can step back and look at another location and I'm not chained to that chair. So um, there's a real good book, uh, uh, the uh, E-Myth Revisited, that talks about setting up your business from the very beginning um, in a way that you can step away from it. Uh, it, Basically, it's it's taking that same model that a franchise does, you know, that you have a system and people fall in love with the system, not in love with you personally. And so you know, you go to McDonald's, you don't say, well, Who's cooking today? Who's back there? You can kill because it's a system. It's gonna be this gonna be good. It's gonna be the same way it tasted yesterday. And likewise, if you know if I have a daycare and I come out personally every day and pick up the kids and get used to that. But if I make sure that that somebody does, not necessarily me, comes out to the car, greets the kids, then you fall in love with that system and not me. And I'm able as the leader to now step back and work on the business. Um, and again, you never will see the president of a, of, you know, Boeing out working on a plane because his whole job is to grow the company from the outside.
1: And I, I think that's another one of those mindset shifts that have to be made because a lot of times when people start businesses, I know for myself personally, it's like, this is my little baby. (laughs) I, I don't want anybody touching my baby. I want to be able to take care of this baby myself. And it's, it's hard to train other people or have other people do it because a lot of times in your mind, you're, you're thinking, it's kind of like the argument that husbands and wives sometimes have at home where the wife asks the husband to do something and then she goes right behind him and does it because (laughs) he didn't do it the way she would do it. I think that's how business is. Sometimes we're afraid to relinquish Mm -hmm. some of this because we think that we're the only one that can do it or no one can do it as well as we can. So I think that is really important. And that's a great mindset shift.
2: Yeah, because a lot of people, again, they, they will even refer to their business as their baby. But I tell those same people, just imagine in real life, if you kept your baby with you, you didn't let it go to school. You didn't let it go to high school. You didn't let it go to college. the baby wouldn't look so cute at 50 <laughs> sitting up in your house. So if you want the baby to grow, you got to let the baby go. So let's, so let some consultants come in here. And get, let's start to delegate and you've got to start building a bigger platform for your baby. True. And I want to ask one more question
1: because this is so good. I'm just excited about this. I, I love talking about this. When, when we're talking about growing and again, going back to what I said earlier about the, community and businesses being in the neighborhood and we're now we're talking about growing and maybe going out to be in corporations. How do we make sure that the money remain in the community?
2: Okay. Well first I would, you know, you would hope that as they grow they would hire people from the community. But then you have to, I think if we ever, if you if you think back to Black Wall Street, when we the same way I'm, I'm saying, identify holes that are or in the corporations. Identify holes that are in the community. So if we know that we're going to have these businesses now in the community, then maybe as an accountant, as opposed to opening up downtown or in a big office building, you may decide, if nothing else, to have a satellite office down in the community for those businesses. Or if you're a lawyer, that you so again, all the services that a business, that a, a minority business would need, if we could start to locate those in the community then again that money begins to stay there and I, you know and, and we have to again it's, it's part of the relationship but as we begin to to see that type of, of, of relationships grow and, and we start to love and respect each other and start to grow our community, it's more likely that people will want to have their businesses there. now you, you know we we'll say all the time if you know, we will say that if we get money we're going to open up a business someplace else but if you look at the business the people that come from other places, they know it's money in the community and they know how to, and they will, will be right there in the places that you say you would never have your business and you will see them driving their Mercedes off the lot and coming in every now and to get the money because they know that there is money in the African-American community. And we just have to stop being willing to give it to other people and start to learn how to give it to each other.
1: Indeed. Indeed. And then, you know, what we do, then we complain about it. We complain about all of these different people are in our community. The right. Asians, the Indians, they're all in our community and we don't own any of this stuff in our community. Well, why don't we own any? Because what you said, because we want to move our businesses to someplace else. So right. that is. Yeah, that is so true.
2: I live in an area that is very close to a, a, a very large Jewish community and they have everything they need right there. There's a for a little bit further down, there's an Asian like Asian town, everything there. And they do business with each other. I would not dare go in there and say, I sell insurance. We wouldn't even listen to me. But we, on the other hand, they know they can come right in. They know that we're not going buy from each other. But again, those, those are like closed economies. And I tell people all the time, the reason that we don't, our problems look, look larger is because we don't have the economic base to solve our own problems. There are bad Jewish kids. There are bad Chinese kids. But guess what? They're handling all that in house because they got the they got the systems all in place. We, on the other hand, have outside people coming in to do businesses, outside people coming in to police us, outside, and then we complain because we don't get along with those people. Well, again, they don't understand us. One of the, one of the things I'm really excited about is my son, who's 13, wants to go to a historically black college when he gets older, and the reason he does, I think, is because I showed him a video. I think you've probably seen it where the, the professor was holding the, the guy's son or daughter child. I said, see so you he understands the plight of that black student. Other people may not. So you want to get yourself in situations with people to understand that if there is a blip, if there's a they may know why and they may have to be more compassionate. And so you want to again stop complaining about what's not there and start to create what's there. And and, and again, don't and I tell people the time, you know. You know, again, as an entrepreneur, COVID did hurt. But people that are waiting for stimulus, they're waiting for this to happen. All of a sudden, you're waiting. You're, we we gotta stop waiting for other people to solve our problems. Because as long as I'm sitting, if, as long as I'm sitting there and I'm waiting for you to build a community center, when you build it, I cannot complain if it does not reflect me. But when I go into the Jewish community, I will be in the Jewish uh, recreation center, and it'll help reflect the fact that it's Jewish, and it'll reflect that their culture. So again, we 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 don't want to do it but then we want to complain when other people do it and, and it won't reflect us because it's not by us.
0: And as you say that, it is the perfect segue for us to bring this wonderful time to a close. Okay. Today, John Lewis Funeral Services were broadcasted and he is famous for saying if not us then who and what you just said summarizes that so perfectly. We do something every show where we do a call to action. We call that call to action the principle challenge since we're based on the seven principles of Kwanzaa. And we would like for you to give us our principle challenge.
2: Okay. Principle challenge. Live them out. My call for action is for everybody to create one new revenue stream. And again, and what you'll find is this. Once you create the first one. You're gonna automatically want to create the second, third, the fourth. And again, and don't overthink it. It doesn't have to be anything big. It could just be that I'm going to, you know, uh start baking and selling it after church. Just a just a revenue stream. Just create, I I I challenge everybody to create a revenue stream. That's my challenge.
0: I love it so much. And we look forward to talking to you again. Can you also tell the listeners where to find you on social media or okay. the internet?
2: Um, You use my whole name, so you'll find me under Arthur Milton Porter III on Facebook. Also, if you go to Facebook, under in Facebook groups, I have a group that's called the Power of Now Movement, because one of the things that I've, I've found is that even as I teach entrepreneurship, is that people will, will get all these great ideas, these great conversations, but they'll never start. And so I've created a movement called the Power of Now. And in that movement, we're teaching people how to, to go. So if you go on Facebook and, I guess, search in the groups of the power of now movement, or if you go to my page, it'll, it'll, show, it'll, it'll connect to it. But again, it's a free group to join. I'm doing free training in there. Um, and I'm also, besides doing the free training, I'm also promoting other businesses. Because, again, that's something that we have a tendency not to do. And I one of my main things I tell people is we need to stop competing and start completing Put the L in there, complete. Mm-hmm. And the only way we're going to do that is by again. If I want, I after to beginning to realize that if you if you win, I win. And so you know, there's there's more than enough business out here for all of us. So I can have twenty five financial coaches on there, and they, they could all be rich. So just can start to to complete each other. So on this particular uh, uh, Facebook group, I do nothing but shout out other businesses. The reason I created my show. Was from other business, I want to have you all on there to promote your podcast. Uh, because again, there's a lot of good information that people need to see, and it's not coming from one source, it's a multitude of sources. And if we collaborate, more people will see the good stuff. So that's what I want to do. So go to the power of now movement, and whatever business you do, let me know. And if it's a positive business, we will be promoting it.
0: Well, thank you so much, and I'll. Get back with you uh, after we disconnect. Okay. But um, you can go ahead and disconnect, and okay. we'll be in touch.
2: You all be blessed.
0: You too, bless okay. God. Bless you. Okay, bye bye. Thank you. So, since we have our principal challenge now, open your heart, mind, and ears as we spread the good news. Not rumors. Not rubbish. Living the principle. Good news. Friends and business partners Dewine Michael, Danita Jones, and Chief Jamoko Jackson combined their expertise and passion for healthy eating to form what they describe as a flavorful alternative to meat products. Their company, Everyday Legendary, was inspired by witnessing the success of Michael's mother, Battle Lupus, due to her. Vegan diet. Their purpose is to shift the wellness of Black people and the wellness of Black people with healthier alternatives. Food is fuel. We hope these young adults continue to blaze a trail. Our second good news comes from another entrepreneur story. The National Women's Soccer League announced its new expansion team in Los Angeles named Angel City. The team has a 30 person star studded ownership group. The most notable is a two-year-old Alexis Olympia O'Hanon Jr., who is the daughter of Serena Williams. Way to build generational wealth. Our third good news comes from an Atlanta restaurant. I'm going to say the name, but don't judge me. It's called Slutty Vegan. And they are giving scholarships to others in the Atlanta area. That concludes our good news for today. (laughs) Latricia, I know you have it. We've had a, we had a full course meal today with Arthur, but I know you have a soul snack.
1: I do indeed. Our soul snack for today comes from an African proverb and it says, Knowledge is like a garden. If not cultivated, it cannot be harvested. That's our show for today. Until next time, expand your minds
0: and impact your communities. Thanks for listening to Living the Principles podcast. Be sure to visit us at livingtheprinciples365.com to access the show and join in on the conversations.